Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and soon to be a certified brain rewiring coach. We're going to be talking about all things training, nutrition, mindset, and hormone balancing for the Lady Climber. You can learn more about me and the services I offer over at ladybetacoaching.com and over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching. Let's dive in. podcast. This is a part two to the Q&A listener question and answer, and I'm really excited. Got some really great questions from last week and wanted to make sure that I got them all answered. So we're going to be talking about everything from rest days and optimizing them to what to eat on workout versus rest days. We're going to be talking all about dealing with imposter syndrome and then also as well tangible things to do for moments when it feels like it's all abysmal and overwhelming, which I think we've probably all at least felt maybe at least once during the last year. So let's go ahead and dive into some updates from me. So if you have been paying attention to my newsletter list, to my Instagram. I'm putting out a low-cost mindset offer soon, which I'm really, really excited about. So this is going to be helping you overcome things like the fear of falling, fear of failure, the comparison trap, and really learning how to be a lot nicer to yourself. So I'm so excited about this. So this is hopefully going to happen monthly towards the end of the month. So make sure you stay tuned for more details on this. Spots will be very limited because I want this to be a very intimate experience. You're going to be getting things like PDFs and home homework and activities to do along with this so that you can actually start to implement a lot of these mindset shifts and changes that we're talking about. I'll be incorporating elements from brain rewiring, the mindset work that I do from Elevate for both my clients and myself as well. We're going to be doing journal prompts. There's so much good in here so that you can actually start taking action on the things that are holding you back in your climbing and in your life. And I'm really, really pumped for this. So again, stay tuned for that. Those will be happening monthly on different topics and there will be very limited spots available. So let's go ahead and get into the listener question and answer. And the first question that I want to answer is what to eat on workout versus recovery days. So I actually got two different variations of this question. And I'm really excited about this because for me, anyway, I have a very different, I think, perspective on this than I think a lot of other people would. So if you're interested in learning more about nutrition specifically for climbing, make sure you go back and listen to my interview with Caitlin Holmes. That one is going to be super informative and very, very detailed and specific to nutrition. So for me as a certified health coach, something that I have really played around with both for myself and for my clients as well, something that has worked really well for me is actually eating pretty similarly on workout and recovery days. And the reason behind this is, yes, you can absolutely get really detailed, really specific, and, you know, eat more on your workout days and less on your recovery days. And, you know, make sure that you're really focusing on protein and carbohydrates after your workouts and get super, super detailed and super specific. And for me at one point, that was just like really overwhelming. And I felt like it was taking up a lot of my time during my day. It was taking up a lot of my mental space and energy. And it just felt a lot better to me to just eat normally and eat the same on all of the days. And, With that as well, so making sure that you're kind of remembering that like our bodies do not get stronger when we're training. You know, that's when we actually break muscle down. Our bodies get stronger when we rest. So if you're actively holding back calories on your rest day, you're probably not recovering as much as you think you are. So for me, that's when it really clicked is like, oh my gosh, okay, so I can definitely eat as much on my workout days as my recovery days. And really like that felt super good for me. I felt like I was recovering better. I felt like I was climbing better. Like that was just such a light bulb moment for me. So hopefully that will resonate with you. And again, if you want to get super specific on it, you absolutely can. Um, You know, making sure that you're just kind of like staying away from fat 
around your workouts. That's kind of the only thing that I tend to really pay attention to just because fat is typically slower to digest. So you might kind of have some like either digestional upset or you just might feel it kind of like sticking around a little bit more, but I'm not saying to avoid fat whatsoever. You know, fat is an integral part of our nutrition. We absolutely need it, but kind of making sure that your post and your pre-workout windows are more focused on protein and carbohydrates. So next question is the rest days. So how to optimize rest days just in general. And so for this question, what I really, really want to ask is like, okay, So how many times a week are you working out and kind of what is the motivation there? What are your goals and what are you really working towards? Because I think a lot of the times, and I know this was really true for me, is recovery days and rest days felt so difficult, mainly because I was running from all the other shit in my life. And I was really just trying to like stay as active as possible and like sometimes like literally run from my problems. And I'm not saying that's the case for everybody. I mean, I think people just generally like being active, you know, a body in motion stays in motion, but making sure that you are taking enough rest days to really see all the results from your training as possible. So, you know, we do all this work training, all this physical difficult things and then we don't take any rest days we never give our bodies that time and space to recover and we're kind of always running on a little bit less than a full tank so think of it this way so let's say you start the day out at 100% you do a hard workout and that knocks you back down to let's say 60% Okay, so the next day, maybe you've recovered back to 80% and then you do another hard workout and you go back down to 40%. So if you never give yourself that chance to come back up to 100%, you're always just like kind of keeping yourself and selling yourself short. You're probably not going to be getting the results that you want and you're not going to be optimizing, you know, the training that you're doing. So making sure that on rest days, you're really being honest with yourself and you're not doing things that are actually really taxing. So I know a lot of people think like, oh, okay, I'll just go running on my rest day or I'll just do like a core workout on my rest day. And really taking a look at the motivation behind that, I think can be very eye-opening. Like, okay, why am I doing this? Is it because like actually at the end of the day, like I really fucking enjoy this or do I kind of like the way that it makes me feel a little bit more? Is there maybe something that doesn't quite tax my body as much that I could do instead? Something like meditating, maybe I could just go on a chill walk and this is not like a super intense hike or anything or maybe I can learn a new recipe maybe I could call up a friend like there's so many other things I think that we do during the day that we could really start to implement instead of working out all the time because once we really get into this you know idea of (laughs) more is more is better and that's what we subscribe to, it can be really difficult to take a step back from that sometimes. But recognizing that our bodies, they really do need rest. And if you haven't ever done any research into optimizing your cycle, so your feminine cycle with your training, I think that could be really, really helpful here as well. So for me, I do tend to take more rest days and recovery days when I'm getting closer to starting my period. And for me, that feels really good. Like that, I need it. That's my time where like I come back home, like literally what's happening is you're about to shed your uterine lining. So you're, that's a lot of work. Like it's literally a miracle that that happens for us each and every single month. And that's no small feat. So being able to really respect your body and respect the process that it goes through and respect all the hard work that it does for you by giving it that rest so that it can actually do its job. For me, that feels really good. I tend to take less rest days, you know, after my cycle has ended and then leading up to ovulation as well. And it just kind of depends, you know, if I have a lot of stress going on in my life with 
my business or, you know, say I'm moving in a couple of days, um, I'm definitely going to take more rest days because our bodies do not know the difference between a physical stressor and an emotional stressor. It kind of takes it all on as the same. It doesn't really care if an actual tiger is chasing you or if you just think the tiger is chasing you. The effect on you is the same. The amount of stress that you're perceiving is the same. So how can we get you to really like prescribe to this idea of, you know, more is just more. More is not necessarily better. And sometimes less is actually more. Sometimes less is better. So really looking at the motivation behind like, why do I feel like I need to work out so many days in a row? And, you know, can I actually take some more rest days and potentially get better results because of that? So in terms of actually optimizing those rest days, again, like you can, you can absolutely, you know, do chill things, things that like really recover you and restore you and refill you and make you feel really good. Um, You can also use some devices, things like Fitbits or whoop straps, if you really want to have some like hard metrics on your body and see, okay, am I recovered? Maybe I can see my strain. Maybe I can see my heart rate. And there's a lot to that as well. Like having some of those numbers sometimes can be really helpful. And it can also really start to give you a visual idea of how your body responds to the exercise that you're doing so that you need to, that you can then know, okay, can I push it today? Or maybe I do need to back off and take a rest day. I think a lot of the times, you know, we're so used to like, go, go, go that like, we forget how to even listen to our body in the first place. Like we don't even really recognize the messages that our body's sending us because we're so used to just like shutting that down. So you can absolutely use different devices to help you get a really good handle on that on when, you know, might be a good idea for you to rest. Also, another really good idea might be scheduling rest days as well. So for me, every Monday is a scheduled rest day. If I need to take more throughout the week, I absolutely do. But for me and my business, Mondays are the busiest day for me. And if I try to pair physical activity on the busiest day of the week for me, like my physical activity absolutely suffers. And I would argue that my work also suffers. And that for me is just not something that I'm willing to do. So I kind of like play it very strategically. I'm like, yep, okay, Monday is just going to be a rest day. You know, I really focus on my clients that day and it feels really good for me. And then by Tuesday, like I'm refreshed, I'm ready to go. And I feel really good about what I did on Monday, the choices that I made and playing around with like, am I somebody that really likes structured rest days? Or am I somebody that, you know, I really do go with the flow. I go with how I feel. I'm in tune with my body and I actually listen to it when it gives me those very clear signs and signals. And being able to do those things on the rest day that really just recharge you, things that you freaking love that like maybe you didn't have time for earlier in the week. Maybe it's coloring. Maybe it's getting really creative. Maybe it's being in your feminine a lot more. So being in your feminine is just being. It's being creative. It's flow. It's inspiration. It feels really good. Being in the masculine is more like doing, checking things off the tick, you know, the, the checklist and really just like executing and logic and structure and all of that. And maybe just kind of like letting part of that go. And when I talk about masculine and feminine energy, you know, this is not related to gender whatsoever. You know, all of us have masculine and feminine qualities to us. It just kind of is how we flow between those two energies and what feels really good for us is kind of like a set point. So with rest days, highly recommend experimenting. Like you kind of want to see what's the minimum effective dose of training that I can do to get me the results that I want that keeps me feeling good. And then honestly, like how many rest days can I take during a week? Like how many feel really good for me? And maybe you're actually going to get better results by doing that in the first place rather than trying trying to train like five or six days a week. So next question is, if balancing climbing and hangboarding once a week and lifting, how many complete and active rest days are needed? So this is a really great question and this kind of depends. So 
I say it depends because everybody's going to be a little bit different. Everybody's training age might be a little bit different. Everybody's experience might be a little bit different here. But I would say in general, most people do really well, and especially the clients that I work with, do really, really well having at least two complete rest days per week. And again, if me saying two complete rest days that feels triggering for you, honestly, I would really go explore like why? Why do I feel so triggered by that? And why does that feel so hard for me to take two rest days? So... With the hangboarding and the climbing, you know, doing that once a week and then lifting, I'm not sure how many times they're lifting. They didn't act, they didn't note it on here, but I would say, you know, being able to balance that, like you could probably climb at least twice a week and then lift twice a week as well. And I would probably either pair the hangboarding with the lifting or pair the hangboarding with the climbing. So for me, I try not to do climbing specific things more than four days a week. And that's just a personal preference for me that feels good. Um, but I also find that feels really good for a lot of my clients as well. And kind of once they go beyond that into the five or six times a week, that's when they start to feel a little bit run down. And that's when they start to not feel quite as good. So I would say definitely hangboarding counts as a climbing specific activity. So making sure that you're not doing climbing specific things more than four days a week, unless you feel like you can really handle it. If you're a seasoned athlete, if you have a very high training age, so training age just means that yes, you have your climbing age, that's how many years you've been climbing, but training age is more specific to how many years have you really followed specific training plans, you know, very structured, very routine, and very consistently. So making sure that you're taking a look at that as well, because if you do have a low training age, you're probably going to be able to do less days, but you're probably actually going to get a lot of benefit from that if your training age is low. If your training age is high, you're probably going to do some more days because that's that law of diminishing returns. The more that you climb and the more that you train and work out, the more time it's going to take for you to start to see those results. So a lot of the times that's when people who have just either first started climbing or just first started training, they start a training plan and they feel fucking amazing. It's because they've never trained before and their body's adapting so quickly. So really taking a look at okay, you know, how many days a week does my schedule allow me to work out right now? How can I pair these things to where it feels really good for me to where, you know, I feel like I can get these done in an efficient time manner. Like for me, the thing is like, how can we work out that minimum effective dose to where it really does free up a lot of open time for other things? Time like spending time with your pet, with your family, with your friends, and really being able to like do those things that bring you a lot of joy. Absolutely. Climbing can bring you a lot of joy as well. But a lot of the times I think we get so wrapped up in just like, spending time on the wall and spending time climbing that we're kind of like forgetting that we could do a little bit less and it would probably be more beneficial for us. So I would say for that, I generally have my clients hangboard anywhere from two to three times per week, kind of depending on where they're at with their training, what their goals are and what equipment they have available. So that could be definitely really good. And then lifting, you know, it depends on the types of lifts that you're doing. But let's say you're doing something basic like deadlifts, squat, bench press, you could probably do that up to two times a week. It kind of depends. You know, again, if you're a more seasoned athlete, you could do an experiment with three, maybe doing some splitting of upper and lower body. But I would say two is probably right around where most people are at and, you know, can actually like fit it into their schedules and feel really good about it and not feel like stressed that they're potentially missing all their workouts or they are having a hard time fitting everything in. And 
generally what I do for myself anyway is I kind of prioritize those other things first and I use climbing as a warm-up for skills practice and then I'll schedule in a couple of just kind of like free climbing sessions throughout the week. So generally I train at least two or three times a week and then if I have the energy and I feel good, I'll throw in like, okay, let's go projecting and just kind of like see and that can be like my more social time if I want to meet a friend at the gym or whatever it is and kind of like have that freedom because I think for me anyway... Having all of my workouts scheduled and written out can feel a little restricting sometimes. You know, there's it feels really good for sure, like to be like, yeah, I don't have to think about what I'm going to do at the gym, but I also do like to just go to the gym and climb sometimes. So making sure that if that's what you're, you know, really looking for, that you're able to give yourself that freedom and flexibility, I think is super important. And of course, speaking about training programs, if you have not yet checked out the training programs on my website, ladybetacoaching.com, I've got amazing ones that are written ready for you to just download and go. So if you're looking for stronger fingers, I have my six-week hangboarding program that is perfect from anywhere from beginners to experts. If you've already used the hangboard, if you're curious about the hangboard but haven't yet gotten on it, I walk you through exactly how to figure out how to get started, what's going to be best for you as an individual. I love that program. That was one of my absolute very favorite programs to create and it's gotten such good reviews. You are going to get mega strong fingers from that one. My other programs that I have, Send Strong, this one is my classic body weight hit style workouts. You don't need any equipment, just you really getting after it. These are high intensity. You don't need to do these very often and they're very complimentary to your climbing as well. I walk you through all of the exercises. You're going to get a lot better at doing dynamic movement because of this, those fast twitch muscle fibers. My other program, Strong Through the Season. I love this one so much. This is all based on isometric training. So really learning how to engage and flip that try hard switch on. I know for me, that's personally something I really struggled with for a long time. It's like, okay, yeah, I know I'm strong, but like, how do I actually try hard and like get shit done? Like, how do I actually send the things that I want to send? And for me, incorporating isometrics was so incredibly beneficial because it really taught me to try super hard in a controlled environment that I could then start to apply to the wall. And I saw that translate really well, not only in my training, but in my performance as well. That one is one of my absolute all-time favorite programs. I love it so incredibly much. You're gonna get different workouts for every day of the week. It's a five-week program and you're going to absolutely love it. And then lastly, I have my core training program, Empower. This is over 80 different core workouts all wrapped up into one program. There are follow-along videos. There are demonstrations of all the exercises. What I really wanted with this program is for you to be able to go pick two different workouts, throw them in after your training session, and then call it good and feel confident that you've worked on your core, your whole body tension, and that's going to improve for you based off of these core workouts. Really, really love training this way, and I think it's such a nice thing to just have these workouts all of them written out for you. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to guess. You don't have to sit and try to write your own training plan. Believe me, I've been there. I've tried that. It's just one other decision that you need to make in a day. And at a certain point, like there's that decision fatigue kicks in. This for me is why I hired a coach myself. And I think it's so important to have something that's just written. It keeps you accountable. It's going to keep you consistent. So if you're interested in looking at any of these training programs, you can actually use the code podcast at checkout. That's going to save you 15% on these and you can download them instantly, get started right away. Spring season is right around the corner. So you absolutely want to make sure that you are ready for spring. You can do most of these workouts at home. I specify exactly what equipment that you do or don't need. So you'll be able to get started right away. 
Okay, so the next question is dealing with imposter syndrome and having the courage to leave situations that are holding either you or your business back. And even if you don't own a business, this is going to be really helpful for you. So we're going to kind of split this into two different parts. So the imposter syndrome and then also having the courage to leave situations that don't serve you anymore. So with imposter syndrome, you know, I think most people experience this to some degree. But remembering that nobody is you, nobody can share things the exact way that you do. And the way that I really like to explain explain this is so especially if you're somebody that owns a business you work with people like what you're doing the service that you're providing is you're giving people a place to land you're giving people a place to feel really comfortable to feel safe to feel heard to feel loved to feel understood and if you never share your story if you never say hey I'm here for you how will people ever do that and for me it's almost like selfish in a way to not tell people that to not give people that opportunity so when we don't share our stories we don't allow people the opportunity to connect with us to resonate with with us and to not feel so alone. I think that's what so many people are wanting and needing is just to be like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. Holy shit. Like I'm not the only person in the world that experiences this thing. Like it's not just me. There are other people out there. Wow, I feel so much better. So with imposter syndrome, you know, whenever it does pop up for you, maybe it's at the climbing gym, you just don't really feel like you belong there, like really challenge that. Is that true? Do you have logical evidence that you do not belong in that space? You know, being able to really take a look at that and do some journaling potentially around it as well and say like, why do I feel this way? Like, is this in my head? Did I actually, you know, hear this from somebody? And, you know, if somebody has told you this in any way, shape or form, it's a projection of how they're feeling and how they would feel if they were trying to do what you do. Like we can really only take opinion and feedback and criticism from people who are in the arena with us. So people who are actually doing the damn thing with us and making sure that like, okay, yes, if imposter syndrome does come up for you, it's okay. It's normal. Don't guilt yourself. Don't shame yourself. Like it's it's a normal human ex- emotion to have. And you can almost to like have this conversation with yourself. Like I'll, I'll do this all the time. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling this way because of this thing that maybe somebody said, or maybe I'm just experiencing, or maybe I just got triggered by something. And I'll literally like talk myself out of it. I'm like, you are the shit. You are a badass. Look at all these things that you've done. This is why having something like a mini wind journal is so important so that you can actually look back and like visually see all of the things that you've done that have you know, built up to your success right now, you know, whether that's climbing, whether that's your business, like do not discount the power of journaling and having like a visual representation of the things that you've done. Because so often, you know, in our climbing, like we achieve or accomplish something that we're like, okay, cool next. But like, we forget all of like the days that we spent training and all of like the little victories that we had along the way to really equal that bigger victory. So I'll have a conversation with myself and say like, yep, I'm experiencing. And that's kind of a keyword too. It's not like I, I, am having imposter syndrome like no that's not me that doesn't define me I'm experiencing it and saying I experienced this is also saying like I know this feeling is going to go away I know there's an end point to this and really being able to talk to yourself and be like you know what like reassure yourself like you're a fucking badass like there is nobody else out there that can do what you do in the way that you do it or say it in the way that you have to say it so just remind yourself of that and then the second part of this question so having the courage to leave situations that are holding you 
or your business back? And this is such a great question because a lot of the times, like we kind of know things aren't serving us and it's, it can be scary, you know, that fear of the unknown. I'm not sure what's going to happen if I leave this situation. I kind of know that I'm being called to leave it, but how do I actually take that next step? And really looking at it and, you know, looking at where are you making your decisions out of right now? Are you making them out of fear or out of love? Are you making this decision out of fear to stay because you're just afraid of, you know, what could happen? You know, maybe you're afraid of like blowback potentially. Maybe you're afraid of the fear of the unknown. What happens if you do actually leave that situation? Or are you making this decision out of love? Maybe you do really love the environment that you work in, or maybe you really love yourself. So then you decide to leave. So that's what I kind of do is I kind of like make this like four square type of thing. And I really journal it out. And I'm like, okay, what is making a decision out of fear to stay look like? What is making a decision out of fear to look to leave look like? And really doing that with love as well. And being able to put answers in each of those four squares and then seeing like, which one feels best in my body? Which one do I know? is right. And every time that we hold on to things that we know aren't serving us, you know, we aren't aligned with anymore or really aren't helping us grow or evolve. Every single time that you're holding on to situations like that, whether that's a job or a relationship or anything else in your life, you are actively blocking off better things from coming in your way. So like you would never, ever hold on to something that you knew was holding you back, right? Like you'd never go on a run if you wanted to get your best mile time holding a 15 pound weight vest like you just wouldn't do that you'd put the weight vest down and then you'd go run you know so it's exactly the same thing like what things are you holding on to out of fear that potentially like you could just put down and yeah sure you know there's the fear of the unknown but I would also argue that's what's beautiful about life is like I kind of always live by the motto of if not this something better always. If not this, something better. So, you know, what's the downside to leaving? Like really get clear on that journal it out, like express all your fears, like let yourself kind of go to those depths. And, you know, if it comes down to it and you're like, you know what, like, I do know that I need to leave, but it just feels really difficult. You know, you can stay for a while. Like there's probably going to come a point to where you're like, holy shit, something just happened to where like, fuck it, I am out. And, you know, maybe you have to get to that point. Maybe that's just the type of person you are. But I would argue, like, probably leaving on better terms might always be the better option. Like, make an empowered decision to do it. Don't wait for something to go so drastically wrong to where you feel like you have to leave and you have no other choice at that point because you've let it get so far gone to where, like, you know, it's just it doesn't even feel like your choice anymore. So, With that, you know, it can be a really tricky decision in all of these, but I would say just, you know, get really honest with yourself, spend some time really, really deciding like, okay, where is my decision making coming from right now? And what is that vision that I have for myself? Like, what's the business owner that I want to be in the future? And does this align with that business owner? So for me, you know, with 2021, I kind of like let go of this idea of having goals. Like, yes, I still have goals, but more so than goals, I have priorities. For me, my priorities are to build my business, to have better relationships and to improve my climbing. If things do not fall under those categories, buy. Like I'm not even entertaining them, honestly, because if they aren't adding to the priorities that I have, like they're probably actively taking away from it. So anything that you're spending time on that isn't, you know, helping you towards your priorities, towards your goals, like it's going to be detracting from them. And when you put it that way, then it gets a lot easier to say like, okay, yes, this thing is actively holding me back from the thing that I said was important to me. Then it's kind of got to go. 
Okay, so moving on into the next question is changes in my view of my own climbing as part of my identity versus potentially a year ago. And this is a really great question. And so for me, I definitely identify as a climber. You know, it's one of my greatest passions. I fucking love climbing. I love it. I don't see a point to where I'll ever stop climbing. Maybe I'll shift more into sport climbing. Maybe at some point I'll, you know, take up track climbing a little bit more. But I do always see myself climbing to some extent. But, you know, for me, I identify more as an entrepreneur. I identify as a business owner. I identify as a leader, as a connector. Like there's so many other things that matter to me now, you know, more if not equally as important to climbing. So I was really able to expand that for myself and it feels really nourishing and enriching to me to have more to my identity than being a climber. And I think, you know, maybe even a year or two ago, I was like, no, I'm a climber. Like that's, that's it. That's end game for me. And it really just took me finding something that I was also equally as passionate about that, you know, for me, I'm somebody that has a lot of energy. I have a lot to give. I have a lot of, you know, things that I really want to get done and finding owning a business was such a game changer for me. Cause I was like, wow, holy shit shit, finally, I can put so much energy into something that isn't necessarily physical. And climbing is so physical that like, yeah, at a certain point, like you're fucking tired and you're not performing well. And you just, you you know, you have to take a couple rest days. But with my business, you know, when I get those really big inspirations and bursts of energy, like I can give it all. And yeah, you know, I take days off of, you know, working and whatnot, but it still feels really good for me to kind of have that balance. And I'm constantly working towards, you know, more of a balance. I'm not sure I ever believe that, you know, you can have that perfect balance between work and play and whatnot. You know, I'm it's always evolving. I'm always working on it. But for me, it's really being able to say like, okay, there are periods of my life where, business is going to be more important and maybe climbing does sit a little bit more on the back burner. And for me, I'm okay with that. And it goes vice versa as well. You know, like sometimes there's going to be times where climbing is more important and I'm going to go on a trip and really prioritize that. And growing my business is going to sit on the back burner a little bit. And it's really just like taking a look at that and taking radical responsibility for those choices and decisions that I'm making and then making sure that I feel good with that. You know, like, are there other things that I can do to set myself up to where I feel better about the choices that I'm making, but being really honest and taking responsibility because I am definitely the one that made those choices in the first place. So, you know, climbing as part of my identity has definitely changed quite a bit since I started climbing and I'm pretty happy with where it is at right now. And that's, you know, maybe that evolves, maybe that changes and I'm giving myself permission for it to change. So last question, and this is such a great one. What tangible things to do for moments when it all feels abysmal and overwhelming? So I really love this question because, again, I think a lot of us have experienced this in the last, I mean, God, year, probably, I mean, a lot in our lifetimes, honestly, where it just feels like, wow, this shit's heavy. Like, this is too much. I feel too much. And really being able to, first of all, take notice, like, Where in your body, do a body scan, do you feel tight? Are you holding your breath? Are your shoulders up by your ears? Are you holding tension? What are you feeling? Really check in with yourself. And I think giving yourself some time and some space to actually just like sit and do nothing, like that's going to be the priority right there is like you in that moment, you are the priority. And if you cannot give yourself that time and space, how can you expect to show up for anybody else? You know what I mean? So first thing is going to be making yourself the priority, making yourself the absolute number one in that situation, because nothing else matters in that moment. You know, like 
It doesn't really matter if somebody needs an email from you or whatever it is. If you're feeling so down that you feel like it's all so overwhelming that you can't even take that next step. So after that, like after recognizing, okay, I'm number one, I need to start to really prioritize myself, like really ask yourself, like, what do I need in this moment? What am I missing? Am I missing human touch, human connection? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling lonely? Like what's actually happening here? And being able to be okay with that. Like don't, don't imply any guilt, any shame. Like it's not your fault that you're feeling that way. And just know that too. So once you actually identify like, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? What is it that I'm missing right now? Then you can start to take steps forward. Do it at your own pace and speed. There is no rush. So give yourself as much time as necessary and possible to do these in a way that feels sustainable. Because when everything feels overwhelming and it feels abysmal, like we can get really far into that rabbit hole of like almost that confirmation bias of finding like reasons why everything's so bad, reasons why everything is so abysmal. And, you know, like at a certain point you're like, well, well fuck it. I don't even want to like try to, to be happy anymore because I'm finding so much evidence as to why things are so shitty. So taking a look at like, okay, where's my mindset right now? And have I been taking the best care of myself? Have I been getting sunlight? Have I been getting fresh air? Have I been getting movement that feels really nourishing that isn't just draining to me all the time? Do I have good connections and relationships right now? Do I feel really fulfilled in that area? And am I eating things like vegetables? Am I drinking enough water? Like it's so basic sometimes that like a lot of the times we're like thinking about like, oh, what supplement can I take to just feel better? And it's like, wait, no, no, no reel it back to the basics. Like, are you actually doing the things that your body needs to feel better? And then that's going to be your first step in self-care. So making sure that you're prioritizing yourself, giving yourself that time and space, and then just doing very, very basic self-care things. So literally like going outside on a walk, giving yourself that time and space to actually feel your feelings. I think so often we just push our feelings down and we're like, nope, not affected. I'm fine. You know, like I'm tough. I don't cry. I don't feel things. It's good. I'm numb. Like it's better that way. And in reality, like it's, it's just not, you know, give yourself that processing time to really feel what you're feeling. Everything that you feel is valid. And, you know, don't, (laughs) don't tell yourself that it's not, don't belittle it. Don't minimize it. Give yourself permission to feel. If you need to spend an entire day crying, go for it. You're probably going to feel a hell of a lot better after that. So when things feel really shitty like that, and I'm just like, wow, I'm literally just trying to like force myself through the day. You know, if I can, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to do things today. I'm literally, I'm going to succumb to my feelings and I'm going to see how I feel tomorrow because you know what? Today is about me. Today is about trying to feel better. Today is about trying to feel my feels. And if I feel better tomorrow, awesome. If not, you know, we'll take it step by step. So being able to really be nice to yourself in those moments because think of the advice that you would give anybody else in this situation. Like you would tell them like, hey, slow it down. You've been working really hard. You're trying to do so many things. You have so much pressure on you. You know, like think of the advice that you would give somebody else, somebody you really care about, and then follow that same advice for yourself. And also just know like the emotions that we experience, kind of similar to what I was saying with imposter syndrome, like we experience them. They're not permanent. We are not our feelings. So the feelings of overwhelm, the feelings of like, wow, it feels abysmal right now. Like that is not you. 
You're just experiencing them and they will pass. They will have an end point and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. A lot of the times we need to come back to ourselves and really focus on that self-care, really get clear on like, okay, where am I at in my life right now? What decisions am I making to where, okay, that's why I am in the spot that I am. And is this okay with me? Do I want to make different decisions to potentially lead me to a different outcome in the future? And getting really clear on what it is that you do and don't want out of life I think also can be very helpful. And sometimes we really have to do go through the things that we don't like, don't enjoy to figure out, okay, we're good there. You know, maybe, maybe I experienced that, you know, it wasn't what I thought. So great. Now I've learned exactly what I don't want. And that gets me closer to what I do want. So be patient with this process as well and understand like this is, this is normal. You know, it's normal to feel like, really low at some points in time. You know, if you're feeling extremely low for a long period of time, absolutely reach out and get help. But I think giving yourself that time, space, and permission to just really sit in your feels for a bit, you know, make sure that you have a support network that you can reach out to and talk to as well. So maybe that's friends, family members, people that feel really close to you, partners, and really just say like, hey, I just, you know, can you just listen? You know, I don't necessarily need or want advice. Like I just want somebody to listen to me. I just want somebody to talk to right now. I hope you loved this Q&A episode as much as I did. Such great questions this time. I love, love, love answering the questions that you guys send in. I'm so excited for this mindset offer that's coming up. I cannot wait. So make sure that you stay tuned both on my email list and on my Instagram. I'll be announcing all of that information soon. So if you give the show a listen, tag me on Instagram, share it with your friends. That is one of the biggest compliments that you can give me as a coach is sharing my work with your friends, those that are close to you. I would absolutely love to see you tag me on Instagram just makes me makes my heart so warm and fuzzy whenever I see that I love 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 seeing what you're enjoying from these episodes what you're taking away from them so if you haven't yet left a review of the show please make sure to go do so I have almost 55 star reviews and ratings and I'm so excited because that means that my message is landing it's resonating it's really being impactful and that's for me the most important thing about being a business owner is making sure that I'm bringing you know really meaningful things to the community things that make a difference and things that really actually matter so if you have not yet go leave a rating and a review I so appreciate it and I will see you next episode